Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Grizz Griswold of Finos, and this is the Finos Open Source and Finance Podcast. Hope you're doing well. And in this episode of the podcast, our director of community, James McLeod, sits down with Eddie Knight of Cinecron, who is also one of the heads of the Compliant Financial Infrastructure Project, to talk about that project and also Eddie and his developer journey. And with that, sit back, enjoy, and here's the music. Hi, good afternoon, good morning everybody. This is James McLeod, Finance Director of Community, and you've joined the Open Source in Finance podcast, where I'm joined by Eddie Knight from Cinecron. Hey Eddie, how are you doing? Howdy James, I am alive and present. That's all I was really aiming for. That's amazing. So today is Thursday the 31st of March, and it's a beautiful day in the UK. Um, I'm actually just south of London. Um, but the great thing about open source is that all open source contributors are kind of global. Um, so tell me a little bit about where you are and what the weather's like over there. Oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, central Texas is where I live and work and, uh, see it's March. So the, uh, the temperature is as expected here, but it's, it's a pretty warm, it's, it's, it's a borderline balmy already out here, but bright, clear, sunshiny, love it, man. You can move to Central Texas and do it. That's amazing. So both you and I have actually known each other for a couple of years now. I mean, we've met each other once over in New York, which was great. And that was um, last year during OSSF. Um, yeah. But we haven't really sat down and chatted, you know, so we haven't really introduced each other. And I don't really know that much about your background. So step me through your career and what's led you to this point. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny that you can sit on video calls with people week in and week out and realize like, oh, wait, I don't actually know how that guy got here. That's funny. Um, yeah, so I started in web dev um, a few years ago, went through a, a boot camp here uh, in town and uh, realized a little while afterward that the web dev work just wasn't really the uh, the, the suite that I was most interested in. And so I moved into automation engineering and that's where I kind of uh, segued over into FinTech. Um, I've spent some time working inside a data center in uh, API context, delivering uh, traditional API, like REST APIs and serverless. And uh, over the last mm, over the last two years, I've been working as a consultant for uh, Cinecron, uh, formerly we, formerly, I was employed by City Hub, which merged with Cinecron recently, uh, and that's where I've been enabled to work with uh, a lot more open source communities. Uh, and that's been that's been an absolute blast to be able to just uh, connect with the open source communities in addition to my daily activities. And now, in recent months, it's becoming a lot more of my day to day is uh, to kind of lead the firm in open source uh, community development and contribution. So that's pretty amazing. I mean, for people who are actually listening to us talk, they will know that um, open source is something that, you know, the financial services industry is moving into. And so finding people within financial services, you know, ha who have open source experience, I would say, 
you know, it's not something that's totally well known. Um, so it'd be really interesting to hear how you actually found yourself, you know, in open source and what your pathway into open source was. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's actually a really great question. Because as you pointed out, uh, when you're working inside of the firms, open source is uh, somewhat of a mythical beast, something that people know of and uh, think, oh, that, that, that would be nice. I, I'm sure that riding a unicorn would be great, but that's, that's not possible. Um, so for me, uh, it was actually working on uh, this product called Prober uh, that we needed to create for a multi-client context. Uh, as a consultant, we've got contracts with a lot of the big names in, in banking and in, uh, investment banking and client banking. And uh, the product that we needed to create, Prober, uh, is to establish validation tests for infrastructure deployments in CI/CD pipelines. It's something that wasn't, it was a gap in the market at the point. It wasn't provided uh, by any other tools at the time that we started developing it. And right now there's still a little bit of a gap. Um, there's niche niche places that it's being filled. Uh, open sourcing it would just was a natural path. It, it just made perfect sense. So that way each of our clients can see exactly what's happening, exactly what these contributions are. Um, and I suspect some of them are uh, <laughs> glad that it's open source specifically so they can make sure that no nothing proprietary from their end is getting in as we're uh, taking their feedback and applying this use case customer feedback into the code base. Uh, they can come back and, and validate the code uh, in addition to just learning from it and seeing it. And so that was the that was the big project that was our initial open source endeavor. And actually, that's. Uh, what ended up bringing us to to meet each other and spend time together yeah absolutely so i know that you're the lead maintainer and lead developer of prober um can you tell me was it difficult convincing your peers and your you know management team to actually open source it rather than keep it inside you know and proprietary for both yours and Cinecron's clients e, uh, so yes good question um it wasn't hard it, it was a conversation. It, it was a conversation where uh, an explanation was demanded. Like, hey, you, you, you're you gonna need to back this up. But for us uh, being a, a step removed from the internal life cycle of FinTech, um, being just that, that little step removed, um, it, it, was, it was a lot easier in that, um, I just needed to come and provide an exact path, an exact strategy, and an exact justification. And once those were all in place, uh, our, our company fortunately has a lot of respect for uh, each of the contributors and individual contributors are held in a very high regard. I guess they trust their hiring process. I suppose that's why. Um, so when somebody who's a trusted individual comes to the leadership and prov prov provides a detailed explanation and justification for something that needed to be done, it was, uh, it was treated like sort of a no brainer. They were just like, all right, you spelled it all out for us. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's take that path. Um, but it has been held with under a critical eye, like, Hey, we, we approved this, but we're going to, we're going to keep a close eye on this and make sure that it's being done well. So with um, Prober being an open source project that's being supported by both yourself and also Cinecron, would you say that having it in the open has 
convinced your clients to adopt it and actually use it rather than you, you know, selling it from the inside? Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, and it's been a huge benefit in um, just demonstrating capability, right? Because we can just drop a GitHub link and show the client like, hey, this is what we would like to use in your environment. Uh, they grabbed one of their trusted people um, or, or they just ask us to walk them through it. Uh, and so we're, we're at, um, we've, we've had that conversation a few times. We're, we're implementing, we've, we're at the point where we're uh, fixing to do, I think our fourth implementation um, on behalf of a client. And, uh, and the conversation's a lot easier than a traditional vendor review. Uh, because it's because it's open sourced, yeah. And have you seen the opposite of that? Have you seen any reluctance for people to adopt um, an open source framework or an open source project um, because of you know concerns around you know software supply chain vulnerabilities or anything related to open source? Yes, yes, um, especially early on. Uh, I think the last two years have been a uh, big climate change um, in willingness to adopt a, since open source program offices are becoming more common within the firms there's uh, somebody that we can point to as a expert to be able to um, to provide an a trusted opinion in that that's it's a lot more common today than it was even just two years ago uh, being able to have those conversations uh, and additionally people being able to understand and trust a software bill of materials having the s-bomb is um something that is expediting that process but yeah two two years ago and and before that <laughs> like the further back you go the, the the more difficult those conversations uh have been uh, but i think that today it's a it's a lot easier than it was two years ago to have those conversations and what's the adoption of Prober or any other open source projects that you've been involved in? Was that kind of like a personal endeavor for you to get them adopted by your clients? Or did you have people around you who could also help, you know, and strengthen the argument? Yeah, so it's really, it's really beneficial to have allies. Um, uh, people who, who know the software but don't feel responsible for maintaining it don't feel responsible for selling it uh, don't really have that skin in the game but have respect for the software uh, and and that's where all of our uh, if you if you want to call it sales our, our adoption has come entirely from people who just know and trust the product recommending it to a particular situation uh, and uh, inside the firm uh, we see it going from one organization to another because it's working in this situation. It accelerated adoption in this place. Uh, they're like, hey, we're able to get our Kubernetes clusters out faster because we use this thing. The other team is just like, I don't care what that thing is. Give it to me. <laughs> Can I get my Kubernetes clusters out faster? I, I, I want that. Um, once it's been onboarded into the firm, it's um, that parallel, that horizontal uh, adoption is way faster. And it's not something that I need to push forward. I just need to be available to support it. and answer questions, maybe do a demo here and there if, if people are wanting to get in the weeds. Um, but that's not something I've had to drive forward. I, th I think I'm pretty fortunate in that. 
So we've spoken about yourself. Um, we've also spoken about Proba, you know, which you've um, both been maintaining and also driving into firms. Maybe we should um, reflect on Cinecron, you know, and the ambitions and the beliefs and, you know, the, the culture within the firm. Um, what makes Cinecron, you know, the place where you actually want to work? Oh, that's great. Uh, you're also tempting me to, like, step off of the party line here. I hope I don't... Uh... If I don't say anything that's off brand, but I I do really I do really enjoy Cinecron because there is this um, willingness to adapt and this this flexibility from from the top down, uh, especially at a consultancy with three thousand employees and clients all all across the globe, um, high sensitivity environments. Uh, there's there's historically a lot of resistance to change, a lot of resistance to risk. But within Cinecron, um, especially the last the last year that I've been really actively doing open source work inside of Cinecron, um, there is just a a lot of trust for the individual contributors that I I love and, and just really, really thrive in. Um, because like I described a minute ago, as long as you can provide a reasonable justification for what needs to be done, the leadership supports it and pushes it forward and, and clears the paths for it. So that's something that I really, really enjoy. So when um, you and I actually first met, you were part of City Hub, which was recently acquired by Cinecron. That's right. How um, has Proba been adopted by Cinecron? Has it been embraced or did you also need to convince the Cinecron, you know, leaders? Um, they chased Proba? us down. They're like, hey, we hear that you've been successful with this thing. How can we benefit from that, but also accelerate it? Right. So there's that selfish, like, you know why we're at the table. <laughs> we, we want to we want to make this one of our wins. Um, but in order to do so, like what like what can we do? How can we pave the pave the way for this to move forward and to to be adopted faster? Um, did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So thank you so much for, you know, telling us about Cinecron and their openness for adopting open source projects and also pushing them forward. Um, so both you and I met um, a couple of years ago, as I explained before, and at that time, um, compliant financial infrastructure, compliant financial infrastructure was cloud service certification. Can you tell me, you know, how you heard about Finos, you know, and who actually introduced you to cloud service certification? Yeah, I don't know if I have the um, the full lineage of introduction that you would like to have, but uh, the, the way that it played out was that I was um, I was the only project based consultant at the time. Right. The city Hub was all about services, services, services. We we serve our employees. We propose like these work agreements and things like that. And I was the only person who's over here, like maintaining a product. Uh, which meant that I had a little bit more of a flexible schedule uh, without the client uh, client meetings and things like that. So uh, Ian Tivy, um, he's uh, he's been a, a huge ally to to me and to to Prober. Uh, he kind of like no, not kind of. He he designed the initial foundation of Prober, and has been um, one of those guys who's uh, really pushing it forward and driving it in in a lot of ways. Um, he uh, he's like, hey, there's this um, thing that i uh i think could be cool but i just don't really have time for it anymore can you just go and i'm like 
yeah he's like okay cool 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 i'm gonna let them know that you're like representing city hub and i'm like what he's like yeah you're gonna be like the city hub representative to this uh to this group and i'm like okay and i google this group and i'm like this is the linux foundation and he's like yeah and no yes and no but yeah you're like our representative to them now i'm like cool what do they do he's like i'm sure they'll tell you i was like okay <laughs> that's great so so i hopped on and i think it was um i think it was probably like four months before we identified any opportunity to actually overlap our workloads. I just kind of came and hung out for a while. No, that's that's the beginning of our relationship there. Absolutely, and I'm I'm going to swing us back into compliant financial infrastructure um, yeah. because you know um, uh, cloud service certification went through um, a bit of a rebrand um, yeah. when we actually you know linked up with the CDMC, and I don't want us to tether ourselves to you know where we were it's good to you know kind of get us back onto where we are now um so you know when you actually uh joined the compliant financial infrastructure project you had proba in your back pocket you know it's something that you've been maintaining um at that point it was part of the city hub organization on github but mm. i know that you were a massive advocate for pushing it into its own organization on github where people can find it now at that point, what did you see the synergies between what the compliant financial infrastructure team are doing and where Proberg fits into that picture? Yeah, yeah. So the way the way the conversation went was um, like was uh, it had been really like Terraform and um, Service Accelerator driven the conversations were like hey we need to write these service accelerators where we're defining what infrastructure should look like from a financial security perspective uh, and then we need to write infrastructure's code largely terraform to deliver this secure financial technology infrastructure and then um, at some point uh, James is there with his backlog project Kanban sliding the cards across and he's like, hey guys, so we've got this card here and I'm giving you a very American accent. This is just, I'm, I'm not actually trying to be you, but this is, this is you. Um, we've got this card here for uh, BDD validation of our infrastructure. And, uh, and the, the group goes back and forth. I'm like, do we need BDD? Should we write OPA tests? Like, what should we do? What should we do? All this kind of stuff. And I start realizing, I'm like, wait, you guys are trying to write CICD validation tests to ensure that your infrastructure meets compliance standards. Can I show you Prober? <laughs> and that's just, you're like, uh, yeah, that's, that's what we're talking about. I was like, okay, uh, I can help you guys integrate it. Um, and so just as a member of the community doing something that benefited the team, uh, the, the FinOS community, the compliant financial infrastructure community, was very quick to just say, like, yeah, if this work is already being done somewhere, especially if it's being done by somebody in our community, please bring it over. Let's let's speed up this process so we can meet these goals that we have as a community. And it was just a really natural, uh, natural relationship there. Absolutely. And so to take the audience through the workflow for compliance, compliant financial infrastructure. What we're actually looking is for external third parties, you know, so open source contributors to contribute something that we call a service accelerator document, um, which explains how a cloud service 
is um, configured in a compliant um, and policy-driven way. So when it actually hits, you know, either AWS, GCP, Azure, or any other um, cloud service, you know, out there in the cloud service wilderness, um, it actually meets the specifications that would be expected by a bank. Um, so tell me, within that workflow, knowing that, you know, we have these technically written documents that can be potentially testable, and then coming, you know, maybe alongside or after that, you will get infrastructure as code um, that creates and automates, you know, the creation um, of those mm -hmm. cloud services. What does Prober do? And uh, what does open compliance for CDMC do <laughs> in order to bring reassurance to the people who adopt, you know, those um, technically written specs and also the infrastructure as code that sits alongside it? Was that one sentence? <laughs> yeah, one breath. That was a good <laughs> you had one. had a lot of <laughs> commas and semicolons in there. That was good. I like it. Uh, maybe some M dashes. Uh, yeah, so so as you mentioned, uh, the first thing that is created right now in the way that we've been working is that service accelerator where it's describing what the infrastructure should look like. Um, the second thing that's normally created is the infrastructure's code. Uh, but alongside that, as kind of like a, a 2A and 2B, uh, validation tests. Once the, like, whether you manually create it or use IAC to create it, we should have some sort of test pack. And this was the vision that I was talking about a minute ago when, when James had his uh, little Kanban cards and he's like, hey, one of our cards that we need to work on is BDD testing. Um, the idea is that we should be able to describe allowed and disallowed behaviors and then test existing resources to confirm that they adhere to those behaviors. Uh, the reason that the CFI community wanted to have those, and, and I would say needs to have those, is because we can talk all day about what resources should look like, but the real service is in helping people confirm that their resources do look like that, do behave in that certain way, because all of the firms can can talk and talk and talk and, and and we do but but the real service is in validating so that's where that's where prober comes in uh in the workflow is to create those test packs and um that's the tool that's being used the uh the community endeavor the the uh the human side of it is described as open compliance for cdmc um to to use a cdmc specification um, whereas CDMC is focused on the data cataloging effort um, and CFI is focused on both the data cataloging and uh, that data management layer, as well as the entire infrastructure layer at rest, in transit, uh, your networking options, just anything that can be described about an infrastructure resource CFI covers. Uh, and so all of that stuff is going to be uh, that to be. I got a little bit stream of thought on you there. Do you want to refine that? Re re bring bring me back. That's that's good. So when um you and I 
kind of set out on our journey with the other maintainers of um, of the project as well, who we'll tip our hats to. I'm pretty sure, you know, I'll get the opportunity to interview them as well. Um, it was one big mono repo. So it was the compliant financial infrastructure uh, repository um, on GitHub that had a series of folders, you know, that contained all of our documentation, all of the infrastructure as code, um, all of the service accelerator documents that get contributed as well that describes, you know, what's being built. Can you step us through kind of like how we've, you know, split that out, you know, so yeah. going from CFI to having CFI, which is compliant financial infrastructure, and then open compliance for CDMC, and then the further modularization of the work that you're currently pushing out, you know, in yeah, order to create yeah. different biggest, contexts. Most recent endeavor, right? Um, so the idea is to shift our output from being simply contributor driven to being user driven. Uh, and I'm going, I'm going to elaborate on that. Um, the idea here is that when, when we came to the table and we all said, Hey, we want to make something good. Our output was based on what was the easiest way for us to make what we thought was good. And that was a big single repository that we can push the information into, push the infrastructure's code into, and push the tests into. Um, but it over time, uh, we began to realize that we we need people to be using this, right? Um, I, I was looking at the uh, the official open source guide website, and one of the things it says in there is that if you want to like engage your community in a healthy way, you start by um, making people users and then, uh, I'm going to their, their term was funnel, um, guide people towards being contributors. So everybody starts out as users, then you make them contributors. And eventually, hopefully people will take on a more formal responsibility and become maintainers, right? And this is going to be a subset of your community. Um, but the largest, biggest part of your community is your user base. Uh, for us initially early on, it was very, very contributor driven, contributor centric and um, not really focused on that user experience. And we've shifted that. So we've kind of turned it on its head and said, hang on, we need to, we need to broaden this user base. We need to get people using this infrastructure as code, using these tests. And to do that, to enable that, we are splitting out the infrastructure as code following the design of the registry that that infrastructure as code uses. Um, so primarily, we're using Terraform. Terraform registries, whether it's Terraform Enterprise or Terraform Cloud, use a single repository per uh, resource. So if we're deploying EKS, we would have a repository for the EKS Terraform configuration. And then that would be that repository would be pushed into that registry that the firm maintains or, or pulls from. Uh, Right now, we have started that transition to where all of our contributions will be in that format. So that way it will follow that registry. So when somebody wants to come and consume that approved, tested, validated Terraform, they can just pull that code, push it to their own registry because it's already formatted. The naming conventions are already what that registry expects to see. So if we follow that pattern through, um, it's actually delivering 
an enhanced engineering experience um, because everything is actually being broken down into modules. If we look at the inverse of that, and we kept, you know, everything that we're doing in one mono repo, so we bundled everything together. When people come to consume that, what issues would they actually hit, especially within a banking scenario? Yeah, so let's just talk about Terraform. Um, benefit of having that mono repo is that it's easier to get into the bank because you just have one path. That's great. That's awesome. Uh, it's easier to contribute, easier to get onboarded into the firm. But technically, while it's easier to get onboarded into the firm, there's also a lot more things that need to be reviewed, a lot more things all at once that need to be pulled down. And so suddenly, while you've only got one URL to onboard to the firm, you've got 15 different SecArch reviews and approvals that you need to get all at once. Um, and then on top of that, once it comes down, then we need to, hopefully in an automated fashion, we need to split off each of the sub pieces that we need to get into our registry. We need to get them out of that mono repo into the format that they're supposed to be in, and then we can push them to our registry to make them ready for consumption, which is just a, a lot more to do all at once and a lot more overhead to getting these in as opposed to, hey, can we onboard this uh, GKE? We want to get the Google Kubernetes engine onboarded from FinOS uh, CFI project. Review that, approve that, set up the proxies or whatever needs to be set up to get that pulled into the firm, and then take that thing directly and push it to the registry because it's already ready to go. So we're cutting out a lot of that overhead. Absolutely. So splitting the concerns between everything that you're bringing in in a mono, mono repo into individual modules ultimately cuts down the lead time and cycle time because you know there's less overhead when it comes to um, technical review and then splitting everything out into its individual modules when it actually comes into the bank. So looking at um, other work that you've been doing um, as you know an engineer within the team so you know you are a lead maintainer um, within um, the whole CFI open compliance for CDMC you know ecosystem yeah but I also know that you are pushing commits into the repo you're also reviewing other people's work um, plus you're also somebody who was core to the whole CICD GitHub Action pipeline that you've got running through the CFI um, open source repository. Yeah, make sure we, you... we we say Bob from CodeThink when we uh, when we talk about that because Bob definitely drove that forward. The CodeThink team has been been huge in in pushing that forward. Absolutely, I was going to wrap around and you know talk Absolutely. about the um, the CodeThink team as well. You can probably hear my dogs in the background too. So just to oh, remind yeah. you that um. We are at home and, you know, we've got our families around us. Yeah. Um, All right, go on with your question. Go on with your question. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. So um, tell me a little bit about that, you know, cycle, you know, of contribution um, and automation um, and what it's actually demonstrating and the, the whole importance, you know, of, of having automated testing and automated deployment, you know, especially in an open source community. Yeah, yeah. So... Mm, that's a loaded question. You got a, a few layers to that. I'll see how many I can um, remember to break down. Uh, the 
the flow to contribute is obviously the first thing a contributor needs to know is is what is needed <laughs> like hey what are you guys working on what would you benefit from having contributed um and uh that that person might want to write some terraform which was what you uh highlighted the terraform contribution would come through a pr and the first place that we merge that into is uh, the dev branch we actually have um this is this this was hotly debated about how we would set up this workflow. So if uh, if it changes a year from now, if you're listening to this and and the uh, your 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 timestamp is 2023, and you look and you're like, you're just that's not what you're. Well, maybe it'll change. Maybe somebody will come along with a better idea. But right now, March 2022, uh, the the format is that the PRs are being merged to a dev branch, and all of those PRs have pre-merge verification checks. Um, over time, we're hoping to add a lot more OPA to this, um, the open policy agent, hoping to add a lot more to this step right here. Um, but we've got a light little suite of pre-deployment, pre-merge checks that are going to happen. And at this point, we're going to do a code review for, um, formatting syntax need, um, does it adhere to the standards that we've set, that sort of thing. And once the maintainers have decided that this is a good commit, it gets merged into dev. And then, uh, and, th and this is where Bob always comes in. He's usually the guy to press the button here. Uh, we'll make a pull request over to the main branch. And this is um, sort of sort of like cutting a release. Um, we, we still need to navigate the release management process on an individual repo by repo basis. Um, there's still a little bit of work to be done there. If you're listening in March 2022, or actually today's March 2022, you're probably listening in April. Um, if you're listening in April, feel free to come to the community and give us uh, suggestions for how you would version control, because this is an ongoing conversation. But um, the uh, that process right there, where we're where we're merging from the dev to the main branch, is going to be when the actual validation checks are happening. Uh, and to validate, it's uh, it's that post-deployment validation that we want to look at, right? We want to have these resources spun up in their live state and make sure that they are existing and behaving according to our expectations. They can do what they should be able to do and they can't do what they shouldn't be able to do. So we have a CI/CD pipeline using the GitHub Actions workflows. We are deploying that infrastructure's code to a FinOS uh, organization, whether it's Google or Amazon or Azure or IBM, uh, we're doing that deployment. And as soon as that deployment comes back as like successful, we did deploy it. Then we're taking the prober checks and we're pointing it at that deployed resource, running through all the tests, storing the test results as artifacts. And um, at that point, if the tests fail, it should, depending on where you are, where the life cycle is on that, it should have uh, more tests passing than the previous case, right? So as long as your tests are not going down and pa passing fewer than the time before, then the merge will be ready for uh, for merging at that point. And we do destroy the resources as the final step of that pipeline. Did that answer your question? I said it was loaded. I feel like I loaded even more in my answer. <laughs> no, 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 it's great. So, um. In theory, and in fact, 
Um, when people go to the Compliant Financial Infrastructure repo um, within the FinOS organization on GitHub, they can see tests that have run, they can see tests oh, yeah. that have passed, they can see tests that have failed, and then <laughs> they can also <laughs> download the artifacts and see, um, get more information about, you know, what did pass and what did fail, you know, and then contribute maybe fixes and help the team um, at that point too. Yeah. Yep. So to our listeners, um, both Eddie and I can see each other. Um, and I can also see that you've got an award over your shoulder there. Can you tell me a bit about that? Uh, you gave that to me, James, when we were hanging out in person in New York. Um, I, I, I am pretty proud of that. I do, I do keep that in frame all the time. Uh, you, could, you could tell the audience about the, the meaning behind that. What does it say? Uh, 2021 Finos America's Coaching Awards. Abdullah from CFI got the uh, Europe or UK. What was the other one? The, the corresponding one, Abdullah got that one. Absolutely. Um, and so within Finos, the Compliant Financial Infrastructure Maintainers, um, of which Abdullah and uh, Eddie are both maintainers, are active on the Finos Slack. Um, they're also active on project calls. They're also active in GitHub issues, um, in reviewing pull requests taking part in GitHub discussions. And so it's actually a multi-channel project, you know, with lots of different entry points. Um, and both um, Eddie uh, and Abdullah were awarded the FinOS um, Open Source Strategy Forum, as it was called then, um, coaching award for all of the coaching and all of the feedback and all of the encouragement that they've been giving um, to the FinOS community in order to contribute and also maintain uh, the CFI and the open compliance for CDMC projects. And so, yeah, it was, um, it was actually a real honor, you know, for the Finos team and also myself to award both Eddie and Abdullah with those, um, awards just through the, the huge amount of contribution that you've been giving, not only into the project repo through pull requests, but also growing the community as well. And so I'll take this opportunity to say thank you again, because, um, it was unanimous when we were, um, you know, asking people to feedback on who should win. You know, your name was um, was top of the list. You know, uh, I, I really appreciate that. And I, and OK, so counter uh, counter appreciation. I think something that uh, anybody listening who's in the community or considering uh, being part of the being active in a community, uh, something that is helpful to know is that Finos is really big on recognizing uh, contributors, whether it's a corporate contributor or uh, individual contributor. Um, that's something that Finos is really good at, is giving credit where credit's due. And I think that's a really healthy part of any open source ecosystem, um, not just so that I get warm and fuzzies, um, but to uh, to engage and, and, um, and help people on an individual level meet their individual goals while they are participating and engaging in this community. So it's a, it's definitely a huge benefit and boon uh, for anybody who might participate. Absolutely. And as we um, draw to the end of, you know, this podcast, maybe we can reflect on that. So for anybody who's, you know, part of the wider financial services or, you know, is part of a tech company, you know, who supports financial services, how would you encourage, you know, people to actually contribute? Um, and also, how do they have those conversations um, with their tech leadership and their sponsors to make sure that they don't tip the balance on their work-life balance? 
Um, do you have any recommendations? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I would say the first thing, first step is find a way to be an active user. Um, the, the reason I say active user is be a member of the community, use the tools that the community is providing and participate in community calls, give feedback, um, report on your findings as you're using these things or as you're looking at the code, um, even if it means that you're reviewing and saying, hey, uh, I would love to implement this, but as a user, I cannot fully implement this due to X, right? Um, that kind of critical engagement from the community is the first entry point to actually contributing, right? Just just giving active feedback is huge, a huge benefit to the community, and it's your first step um, to building the relationships and, and getting to understand the project in a way that you can contribute to it. And then on a personal level, it also, and this, this connects to your question about balancing the kind of like, it's not a work-life balance, it's a, it's a open source versus official obligations balance. Um, it helps you get to know what it will look like to be part of this community. Uh, establish a few, a few routines. Um, oh, there's this community call that's every other Friday. That's great. Um, I can do that, right? Get that in my routine. Um, talk to my management about like, hey, uh, if I have stand up at that time, um, I'm gonna miss stand up on Fridays. I'll give you my update beforehand whatever it is, right? Um, being able to like clear just a little bit of your schedule at first as you become an active user. And then uh, you're introducing your leadership to this community that you're part of. And uh, hopefully, I, I would say, um, if you're in a, a fortunate situation, you can start to replace just a little bit of your normal everyday duties with some community participation. Um, I, I don't, recommend people go beyond that like normal 40 to 50 hours that we do in in, in a week as engineers um I, I don't recommend that you go much further past that just for the sake of contributing to an open source community but if you start out as an, an active user you can uh, start laying a foundation to where you can start contributing within the normal within your normal scope of duties and the visibility is already there for your leadership and finally, has being an open source contributor and also an open source maintainer had a positive effect on your career? Oh, uh, yeah, in, in a lot of ways. People love, like, people are messaging me routinely, letting me know, like, hey, we, we love this uh, open source community that you've been part of and these things that we're seeing, these contributions that we're seeing. Uh, will you come talk to us? And I'm like, no, I mean, I, I like my current role. Um, but having that parachute is a nice little feeling. And then it gives me a little bit more confidence in my routine um, to take a little bit more leadership, maybe um, take, take a couple uh, risks in conversation to make suggestions and uh, contribute, contribute more actively because I'm more confident in my, I don't have this anxiety and fear of like, oh, what if I say the wrong thing? Um, which is a weird thing to say. It's like, wait, so because you can, because you're safe, you take more risks. It's like, yeah, I mean, there's this less anxiety, but in doing so, I find myself giving input in conversations where people were hungry for input and this increased level of confidence that I have um, and the increased experience that I have from being part of an open source community 
gives me more ability to say, uh, to give good input and more willingness to give input where it otherwise might be risky. And when people are hungry for that input, hungry for leadership at the table, um, they recognize that and they're like, oh man, um, we're, we're really glad that somebody was willing to bring this forward or make this suggestion or drive this effort, things like that. And it has had a, a very positive impact on my professional relationships um, inside of banks and outside of banks and in just a lot of ways, it's been, it's been really beneficial. So I'd like to say thank you to everybody for listening to both myself and Eddie Knight um, this afternoon. I'm James McLeod, Finos Director of Community, and you've been listening to the Open Source in Finance podcast brought to you by Finos. Thank you very much, Eddie. Really Thanks, appreciated James. your time. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed that podcast. And thank you so much to Eddie Knight from Synecron uh, for talking with James. And thank you, James, for doing the interview, too. You guys were great. Um, and Eddie actually spoke at our first uh, open source and finance meetup of the year in New York that was actually centered around the Compliant Financial Infrastructure Project um, and also around the CDMC uh, standards. So if you get a chance, I'll put the links to that video in the show notes. And please look out for our next conferences and meetups that will be coming up. Um, there's actually one April 20th in London. It'll be around the Finos Waltz Project um, with David Watkins and Jessica Woodland-Scott, both of Deutsche Bank. And to keep uh, up to date with everything that's going on in Finos, please join us at finos.org and sign up for more information on our website uh, so that you can get involved with our newsletters with This Week at Finos. Um, with other things that we're doing on Slack um, with any of our projects and our project meetings. Um, where else? Twitter, LinkedIn, and then, of course, any of our events, uh, both in person and online. So just get involved with the community. Um, again, I say it over and over. It is a growing community, um, and each year it's like compound interest. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and better and better. All right, so we hope to see you at our next uh, events, and we hope that you enjoy this episode and rate it five stars and come back and listen again. With that, good day, good night, wherever you are. Mm-hmm.